بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته A very warm welcome to this week's edition of Revival in Motion. Wonderful to have you joining us. Another weekly episode where we are going to be going back to the basics. We're also going to learn how to to make, if we haven't as yet worked on that, or if we are on that journey, may Allah grant ease, on that journey of making Islam our lifestyle, of learning how to take the principles, the lessons, the commandments of the Qur'an, and the sunnah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to make that our lifestyle. May Allah grant us ease and sincerity and success. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, in the last few weeks, our focus has turned towards preparing the heart for Ramadan. And it's wonderful to hear from our listeners how they've been preparing themselves, their homes, their hearts for Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant ease and acceptance. Ameen. Here we are, about five weeks away from Ramadan, alhamdulillah. And coming up in the last segment of today's program, we hear from Sister Natasha Sultan. Sister Natasha is a stay-at-home mom and a revert to Islam and shares with us more on the fears of Ramadan amongst reverts. We've had the great pleasure of hearing from Sister Natasha last year on the topic of uh, revert and Ramadan and the entire experience and was so inspiring, subhanAllah, that we've asked her to come back this year to share with us more on this topic of the fears about Ramadan among reverts. So Sister Natasha gets a very, um, uh, you know, uh, real, um, very honest and shares with us some really important and points that can help us to understand what it's like for reverts um, in Ramadan uh, and in that way it is our dua and hope that we can all be part of a community that is supportive, that is compassionate, that is encouraging and that we reach out to others. For many who have been brought up in homes that are Muslim, we may take this for granted. It's just another Ramadan. We're so used to fasting, maybe as children, everyone in our family around us fasts, right? But what about those sisters and brothers who've come to Islam at a later stage in their lives and that they may not have that support of family, they may not have the experience of fasting, it may all be so new to them. So Sister Natasha will take us through, um, you know, about what happens when reverts experience those iman dips uh, feel that they're not doing enough and how to navigate that how can they reaffirm to themselves more about the worship that counts and not necessarily the quantity we'll talk to her about Eid day and Eid celebrations and uh, she shares a message of support for reverts who are tuned into this program inshallah and she shares with us one of some of the biggest challenges she's experienced in ramadan as a wife and mom and how did she overcome that so we hear from sister natasha sultan later on in today's program inshallah discussing with us more about the fear of reverts during ramadan as always the program will be up on podcast so you can always play back to that inshallah and share this with others too now 
We've spoken in previous programs about connecting with the Qur'an. And because many of our programs are recorded in advance due to load shedding in South Africa, uh, there is a slight lag in the correspondence that we share with you from our listeners. One such correspondence was from Sister Munira Hamisa, who shared with us more on connecting with the Qur'an. She writes, Over the past few years, we have formed Qur'an groups. In the month of Ramadan, each sister recites the same juz every day in Ramadan. So, with 30 sisters reciting, a complete recitation of the Qur'an is completed every single day. Alhamdulillah, in the first Ramadan, we completed 90 recitations of the Qur'an. Last year, we completed 150 recitations in the month of Ramadan. We will continue this year as well. At the moment, we also have 17 groups of sisters reciting. One, two, three, or six juz every week. This is done in rotation, so each sister goes to the next juz in sequence. So in 30 weeks, the sister reciting one juz will complete the complete recitation, while the sister reciting six just every week completes the entire Qur'an in five weeks. Alhamdulillah. This has given me and all sisters an incentive to recite the Qur'an more regularly instead of only in Ramadan. May Allah accept from all of us. Ameen. So I replied to Sister Munira letting her know how beautiful an initiative this was to which she shared with us um, more details that you know all the sisters have found great benefit in this Quran reading groups and that they are always inviting more sisters to join. You can WhatsApp Sister Munira to join any of her groups, the groups uh, or closer to Ramadan if you wish to join their Ramadan challenge. The WhatsApp number is 83 687-0002. The number again to join the Quran or Ramadan Challenge Quran groups is 083-687-0002. For international listeners, it would be plus 2783-687-000. That's triple zero two. And you can contact Sister Munira to be added on to one of the Qur'an groups. Let her know that you heard about it on Radio Islam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you and us all barakah in our recitation and in our learning of the Qur'an kareem. Ameen, ameen, ya Rabbil alameen. So we're going to focus today inshallah on one key principle or aspect. And... Often when we talk about preparing ourselves for Ramadan, this is not something that usually comes up. We would expect to hear more about, um, you know, salah or pray, paying back your qada salah or increasing your Quran recitation, all of this which is super, super important. Today, however, we want to take our focus to another act of ibadah, another sunnah, that if we uh, embrace it fully and if we love and revere the sunnah that it can bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and closer to our Ramadan goals and ibadah goals inshallah and this is all about the adhan so 
Many of us may live in places where we can hear the adhan from the local masjid. Alhamdulillah. But we may have those of us who are working and where we work, we may not be able to hear the adhan. Uh, we may have those of us that are living in areas where there are not many Muslims, so there may not be a masjid. And those of us who live in remote places where there are no Muslims or masajid around us, or that perhaps the, the law in that area in some countries is that the adhan has to be um, called out within the masjid but cannot be put on the loudspeaker for example so for a number of different reasons some of us may not have access to hearing the adhan live from a local masjid but this should not hold us back from finding a way to ensure that we have those reminders because the adhan is this beautiful loving gentle reminder from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fulfill your appointment five times a day with him so using technology to our advantage right so we know that there are many apps that we can use um you know there are apps like salatuk there are many quran apps that have the adhan as part of their features so find an app that works well for you and that you would like to use if that's the case and have those reminders have those reminders go out so that when it's the adhan time the adhan plays Yes, it may not be the live adhan from your masjid, but it is a reminder that it is salah time. And even if you have a masjid close by, you have that app still on. You know, we get so busy with our lives. We get so busy day-to-day routines, work, school, studies, family. And sometimes the adhan is playing so, you can hear it so loud, the live adhan. But we carry on with our day and before we know it, an hour, two hours have gone and we're rushing, we're scrambling to catch up, to make up with that salah that we missed. So let that not be the case, inshallah. As we get closer to Ramadan, let us make more effort to be aware of the adhan, that ah, adhan has gone. So now it's time for me to go and make wudu and prepare for salah. Prepare my body, my mind, my heart for salah. And if we can do that, when we hear the adhan, if when possible, leave what we're doing, head out to go and make our wudu, to prepare ourselves, to prepare our bodies, our minds for salah, we will find that the khushu' in that salah will improve. And we will look forward to salah. And we will not be rushing to complete it. And when we're not rushing, when we enjoy our salah, when we read all our tasbihat and our, um, our, our, our Qur'an in qiyam of salah and all the du'as, we recite them correctly. Our tajweed improves, our focus, our khushur improves, our concentration, the adab with which we come to salah is improved. We ensure that we fulfill all the shurut of salah, like the place must be clean, the aura must be covered, the niya must be made, facing the qibla direction, all of these things that we often take for granted, but we may be making errors because we are rushing to just get on the musalla, get on the prayer mat and read our salah. And when we can look forward to our salah, this will give us that motivation to pray our salah on time, awal waqt, to base our lives and our schedules around salah and not the other way around. To look forward to our salah, to uh, enjoy the sujood, and 
If we have any salah that are outstanding, that are missing, that we have not prayed in our lifetime, to pray back those qadah salah will become easier because we will fall in love with salah. And that is simply just through the adhan. Imagine. So make that intention for yourself. Encourage your family members to put those adhan notifications on their phone. And for yourself too, being aware. So plan yourself, plan your day based on the adhan, the salah, and notice how things change for you in amazing ways. Insha'Allah. Ameen. The adhan, the words of the adhan. Do we, do our children know the meaning of the words of the adhan? What is the mu'adhin saying to us when he calls out these words? It's so important we remind ourselves, do we know the meaning of the adhan? Do we know how to reply or to repeat the phrases of the adhan? Do we know the dua after adhan and how powerful a time that is to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And so if we can just honor the adhan more, our wudu will improve. The quality of our salah will improve. The khushu' will improve. Our connection overall with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will improve. Imagine just through the adhan. Allahu Akbar. Join us for more as we talk about this after the break. Alhamdulillah, before the break we were talking about the adhan and how honoring the adhan, understanding the adhan, um, fulfilling the sunnah of repeating the words of the adhan and replying to the words and then the dua after adhan, all of this, this entire beautiful routine can help us so much in getting closer to Allah and preparing our hearts and minds with a good level of khushur in our wudu and salah ahead of Ramadan. So here are some basic reminders or principles about the adhan. We remember that in our programs we have listeners from different places, meaning in terms of their, their, their learning journey. Some of us may be new to Islam. Some of us may be thinking about becoming Muslim. Some of us may be Muslim all our lives. As some are adults, some are children. So just a few reminders and basic points. The minaret of a masjid, uh, called in English the minaret or the tower, used to be the place from which the mu'adhin would call out for salah. And then the adhan is the call that is given to announce that it's time for a particular salah. And we know the adhan is called out five times a day from masajid around the world. Um, I remember a while ago, and I'm sure you've read about this too, uh, it was an article going around explaining how, you know, where the sun rises first. So we're talking about Fiji and the Solomon Islands and Vanuatu. And so the sun would rise there first and then Australia, Indonesia and so forth. Um, and then eventually reach um, parts of Scandinavia and then going down to parts of North America, etc. And so by the time the Fajr Adhan is called in one place, probably the Isha is called somewhere else and a different Salah Adhan called in a different place. And so that permanently throughout the days and nights of the years, the Adhan is always being called. Somewhere on earth, someone's praying, some, some country's praying Zuhur and another is praying um, Fajr and Asr and Maghrib and Isha. And given that, um, 
we work with the sun. Um, we know that times change and seasons change. So subhanAllah, there is always a mu'adhin somewhere on earth calling out and reminding people to come to salah and to come to success, reminding people that there is one Allah, one God only, and that Nabi Muhammad wasallam is his messenger. Allahu Akbar. This is the beauty of Islam. And we know that it is a sunnah that brings its own rewards from Allah. The person who gives the adhan is called the mu'adhin. Now in some countries and communities they may have different titles for the mu'adhin. For example in um, Southeast Asia, in countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, Brunei, Singapore, often the mu'adhin is called the Bilal. Uh, they're given this title after Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu, the first mu'adhin. Uh, appointed by Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so the Mu'addin would be referred to as the Bilal. So let's remind ourselves of the basics of the Adhan. So the Adhan begins with an affirmation of the supremacy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then comes the Shahada. And this consists of the, you know, the, the Tawheed and negating Shirk. And it confirms that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. And after that comes the call to salah and the call to success. Our eternal home in paradise. That also implies our return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We also know that each line is repeated for emphasis. So the English of the adhan, and I know for many of us, if we either speak Arabic or understand or have learned what the Adhan means at a very young age, we may have actually forgotten, not forgotten, but we don't, when we hear the Adhan, we know the words, right? But we're not thinking of it in terms of our mother tongue or English, right? So it's Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship but Allah. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship but Allah. I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Hasten to the prayer. Hasten to the prayer. Hasten to real success. Hasten to real success. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. There is none worthy of worship but Allah. And we know that in the Adhan for the Subh prayer, for the Fajr prayer, uh, we we have the words, um, you know, after Hayya al-Falah is As-Salah to Khayrum min al-Nawm, As-Salah to Khayrum min al-Nawm. Prayer is better than sleep. Prayer is better than sleep. The Sunnah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recommends that while the Adhan is being called, we should listen attentively and we should repeat it silently after the mu'azzin. But when the mu'azzin, when the caller to prayer says, Hayya ala salah and Hayya ala al-falah, we should say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is no might or power except with Allah. And then after the adhan, we have the sunnah dua that is recommended to read. Allahumma rabbah hadhi da'wati tamma 
والصلاة القائمة آت سيدنا محمد الوسيلة والفضيلة والدرجة الرفيعة وبعثه المقام محمودا الذي وعدته إنك لا تخلف الميعاد And so he translates as, O oh Allah, O oh Lord of this most perfect call, and of the prayer that is about to be established, grant to Muhammad Wasallam the favor of nearness to you and excellence and a place of distinction, and exalt him to a position of glory that you have promised him. And then thereafter we know that we have the iqama. So iqama means to stand up for the salah. It's a sunnah practice of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to call the iqamah just before the salah begins. Whether the salah is performed individually or in congregation. And so the words of the iqamah are the same as the adhan except that after hayya ala al-falah we say qad qamat al-salah, qad qamat al-salah. Prayer is ready, prayer is ready. And it's recommended that The hearer of the iqamah must repeat it after the muqeem. And who is the muqeem? The muqeem is the person who calls out the iqamah. So let's focus a bit on the statements from the adhan, particularly hayya ala al-falah. Okay. So hayya is an earnest request for everyone to come together to establish the salah. Salah is the prayer of the Muslim. And a special part of the Salah is reciting Surah Al-Fatiha during which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns to the slave and answers for the ver- each verse recited. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reported Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Allah Almighty said I have divided prayer between myself and my servant into two halves and my servant shall have what he has asked for. When the servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah says, my servant has praised me. When he says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the gracious, the merciful, Allah says, my servant has exalted me. When he says, Maliki Yawmiddin, the master of the day of judgment, Allah says, my servant has glorified me and my servant has submitted to me. When he says, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Allah says, this is between me and my servant and my servant will have what he has asked for. When he says, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. Allah says this is for my servant and my servant will have what he has asked for. This hadith is recorded in Sahih Muslim. And so the invitation here is to connect to Allah who is Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. Which means that Allah is the Hadi. Allah is the guide to the inhabitants of the heavens and the earth. This is according to Ibn Abbas. The second part is the invitation of Falah. So we have Hayy ala salah 
which was hasten or come to prayer, and now we have hayya ala al-falah. The second part here, this invitation of falah, which means victory. And these words of the adhan convey the message of victory in this world and in the hereafter by establishing a connection with Allah through salah. And so Muslims all across the world realize the sanctity of the adhan. And so we are taught in the sunnah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to answer by saying, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. The answer to this call by the believers is an act of submission to Allah, an affirmation of Allah's oneness, of Allah's unique attributes. And so believers come together to pray in the masjid, to stand side by side, side by side, and to forget all our differences. And so the masjid is the place of gathering for people of all races, all colors, young and old, and it becomes, the salah becomes a practical embodiment of tawheed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this understanding. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who honor and love our faith and who love all aspects of our faith. Our Qur'an, our Salah, the Adhan, the Wudu, the Charity, the Dhikr, the Pilgrimage, all of it. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Coming up after the break, we will be talking about Ramadan, the fears of Ramadan among revert Muslimats. Stay with us. Today we have an amazing guest that is a revert to Islam and she has shared some of her advice to all the reverts who may need that advice as we get closer to the blessed month of Ramadan. Ramadan for reverts is always met with excitement and also a little bit of anxiety as well. And uh, you know we, we want to understand more about Ramadan itself. Uh, in terms of what it's like for a revert to Islam so that we can better support reverts to Islam in Ramadan and if we ourselves are reverts to Islam this can be a means of comfort and this can be some useful tips inshallah for all of us Ameen Our guest today is Sister Natasha Sultan a stay-at-home mom and for her this Ramadan and Eid will be a bit different for her family and she's expecting her third baby on Eid day, mashaAllah. They are expecting a blissful month of dua and blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Insha'Allah, ameen. Now, many reverts have fears of Ramadan, even if they have experienced a Ramadan before this. I asked Sister Natasha, how can one overcome this anxiety or nervousness and what are some of her fears currently? How does she navigate them? Let's find out. My first Ramadan was in 2013 and that's when my fear and only fear was prepping my mind and body to not eat or drink anything but also um, it was under the knowledge that it was short days, uh, cooler months, and easier to fast. Uh, and I always thought that by the time I reach a summer or a hotter month Ramadan, um, I'd be used to it. And that phrase alone, used to it, is daunting to hear, since it makes you feel like if you aren't used to it yet, you're doing something wrong. And having said that, I'm still not used to 
to fasting, um, even though it gets easier, if that makes sense. You know, I am the biryani for breakfast type of person. I need coffee to fuel my soul and, and to make me smile. So my mind always wonders about how I'm going to manage and how is the day going to go by. And I firmly believe that the only, um, the only way I can get through it is mind over matter. And I still haven't fasted a summer Ramadan up till this point. But up until now, I, I do nothing more than prepare my mind. I always go back to the basics, and that's remember and understand why you keep your fast, who it pleases, and who benefits from your fast. And once your mind is at ease and, and focused, everything just becomes so much easier. Um, I am a very mind over matter person, and I use that aspect that in every part of my life, and I find that it comes in handy, especially during Ramadan. You know, you put your mind to it and it makes it easier. And it's something I teach the kids or the fasting kid, the eight-year-old. Our next question was more about Ramadan readiness. And so we asked the Senatasha for some tips that she could share with us that could help us prepare for Ramadan during these few weeks before the month begins. Ramadan preparation for me is not the stockpiling of savouries. Um, I am a very fussy person and I need to work on routine. And once my routine is out of sync, I am very overwhelmed. So before Ramadan, we do a full, a full out overlook at our life. We would, um, I spring clean. So all the old clothes and shoes and unused items are given away. I sit with the school calendar and make sure there's any changes of such, any times, madrasa um, times that are changing and altering. It's all noted down. Any special days at school, their times are sorted out and noted down. And that just helps for during Ramadan to not be shocked by an unexpected surprise. You know, I plan to the best of my ability, including a, me a meal plan. But I also understand that things don't always go according to plan. But just by having something written down on a weekly planner, um, it just makes it just frees my mind. And once my mind is free, then I can be prepared for whatever else is to come unexpectedly and not feel so overwhelmed and not take the focus off Ramadan then. Um, also, in those last few days of Ramadan, I prefer to not waste it, if that is um, correct to say. I prefer to use it for the last bit of reward I can gain and hope that we make it to the next Ramadan. So before Ramadan, including Eid decorations are sorted and tablecloths are washed and everything of that sort. So there's no other unexpected um, surprises along the way. Um, it's also, you know, you want to spend your time on worship, but as a mom, you also have to, you also have to find a balance and help your kids learn to worship. And I know the reward comes from both, so there's comfort in that for, for the moms that are, that feel guilty. Mom guilt is a real thing. So um, 
I think we need to learn to just let go of the little things, prepare everything you need to in advance, whether it's a meal plan, whether it's sorting out your home, whether it's canceling some activities because you feel like it's going to be too much for you, that it's okay to do so. It's okay to say no along the way and um, do what works best for your home. So talking about highs and lows, we asked the Sinatasha, why is it important for reverts who have experienced Ramadan before this to offer help and take new reverts under their wing, especially during a time when they feel they can't continue or they have these low points? And we asked her to tell us more about the role that she saw of the community towards reverts, not only during Ramadan, but throughout the year as well. Um, this Ramadan, I think, is going to be a little bit more challenging for us as a community, not just as a wife and a mum at home. I think as a community, we're facing so many issues like the load shedding and the water shedding in Durban, KZN, that we need to be a little bit more caring and considerate, um, planning ahead, thinking ahead. Um, it takes a toll on your mind. It really does. But I think we need to help each other out that way as well. If you know someone who doesn't have water or doesn't have enough or is load shedding during Seri or Iftar or whether it's donating um, a gas stove to some facilities or, or refilling someone's gas, if you can help somebody out, go ahead and do that because it's challenging enough as it is. That little helping hand could make it better for those around us and um, at home in my home my biggest challenge would be uh, waking my husband and kid up for Seri and for Iftar they are on time they're actually early they're seated at the table and ready to break fast but actually getting them off the bed in the morning and into washing up and being ready and not gobbling to the last second I think this year would be the year we're going to overcome that inshallah our next point to focus was dua so we asked sister natasha more about this making dua for one's ease is something we don't talk about something that many of us don't even consider making dua for why is this important for reverts making dua is so personal private and beautiful and then making dua for someone who has no idea that you're doing it for them and that that you have those feelings for them and that care, that that love for them is just so beautiful that you would take it to your creator for them and use your time on their behalf or for their behalf is just so beautiful. That concept is what needs to be taught to new Muslims. You know, essentially when you make a dua for others, you're praying for the same over yourself. I mean, we pray for goodness of ourselves and we pray for success in terms of a happy home and a happy life and a happy marriage, um, not necessarily financial gain or material wealth. And once you pray for that over others, how much of goodness can come from it for you and your community as a whole? And you know, it's um, they say charity begins at home. It's the same concept, that goodness that you um, do at home for yourself and for those around you. If you teach that and you live by that, it will come naturally to everyone around you. New Muslims, a reminder for old, 
um, born Muslims and uh, also our kids. It will just come naturally to them to have some empathy and compassion in that way. I think it's a very important concept that needs to be further explored. Now, many reverts set unrealistic Ramadan goals. Many will set uh, that they will finish so many Qur'ans as people tend to compete sometimes online. And when a revert sees the competition, he or she may set these goals but find it difficult because they may still be learning um, the Arabic alphabets or learning to recite, which leads them then to have this dip in Ramadan or feel like they're not doing enough. We asked Sister Natasha, how can Muslim reverts navigate this and how can they reaffirm themselves that it's an act of worship that counts for them and not necessarily the quantity? Let's find out. It is most important that we are comfortable with ourselves. Uh, we need to set realistic goals and we need to not be pressurized by social media or WhatsApp groups of any sort uh, along the way, especially in Ramadan, you know, you are training yourself to discipline yourself within your capabilities. And from my experience, I'm a stay-at-home mom, um, and I try and do my very best. But in Ramadan, my husband goes for tarawih in the evenings, which means there's a little longer evening parenting for me. I have to see to the kids, make sure the bags are packed and um, they're ready for school the next day and then put them to bed. So that takes some of my time, which is fine, but I need to then adjust the amount of time I have for worship in, also, in order to also get some rest for the next day. Because, you know, a happy mom makes a happy home, a happy wife and a happy life, all of those things. So you need to before you before you, you you start Ramadan, maybe just look at your measurement of success. If I sit at the end of Ramadan and see that I've only accomplished 70% of the worship I wanted to, then Alhamdulillah, that was what was meant for me. And I tried it and I did it with the best of my ability and with my heart and soul. I didn't rush through anything for the sake of saying, oh, well, I'm done. And I didn't give up saying, well, I'm too tired, I'll try again. I did the best I could. And the smiling faces around me, fed tummies and love around me. I think that's what you need to, you need to focus on. That you've been good, done good, thought good, and tried your best. Now, a touchy subject for most, but uh, some reverts tend to celebrate E-Day with Christmas decorations or Christmas traditions. How can we start our own traditions? And why should we not be including what we were doing before becoming Muslim into this new way of life? Um, and we also asked Natasha if she found this to be a common issue within um, the community at large, not just reverts to Islam. And yeah, let's find out more what she says about this. You know, last Ramadan, I was actually very disappointed to see so many um, writers, influencers take to social media to let us, the rest of us, um, new Muslims or not, know that um, 
it is of Western tradition to decorate things and uh, create the hype that we do. But, you know, I think that the biggest teaching of Islam is to not judge. No one here is able to judge. And I, again, Allah knows best. So coming onto social media without understanding why people do things and then telling them that they're wrong, I think that's totally unfair. I have only started doing Ramadan decorations and Eid decorations um, when my kids were old enough to understand what it is. It just creates some hype around Ramadan and its teachings. It's just the du'as written out or printed on pretty paper and stuck up. It's just where I leave the Laban to light. It's a pretty little space. Uh, Laban to burn, sorry. It's a pretty little space. And it excites the kids. Every time they see it, they are consciously reminded that it is Ramadan. It's, um, I have girls. Girls like to make things pretty. Girls like to be in pretty places. It's got nothing to do with copying anyone's tradition. We aren't putting up a tree and calling it an Eid tree. We aren't putting gifts under it and blaming an Eid fairy for gifts that come underneath it. We're just creating a little bit of excitement in our home um, to make the kids aware. And, you know, at the end of uh, the fast for the day, there's a little reward, whether it's a sticker or a chocolate coin or a little homemade voucher for one of mom's massages or mom's spa day, which we, we do together. It's something that makes the kids see that their discipline and it is paying off. So for me in my home, that's what it's about and nothing more than that. We now hear from Sister Natasha more about her message of support to reverts who have tuned into the program. And if you do know of any reverts to Islam, please feel free to share the podcast link to this program so that they can listen back to this. She said she has some wonderful support. Listen up. Um, you know, I think as a revert, and I don't... Um, I don't really like to differentiate. I'd like to think I am a Muslim and that's just it. There is no born Muslim, revert Muslim. I am now a Muslim and I don't like the differentiation. But I feel like when you're a new revert, you need to be able to find your footing and you need to do some research and understanding for yourself. You shouldn't just, um, because someone said so, or because you asked and uh, and you've been told, um, you should research something and come with a specific question if you are stuck, rather than just plain asking somebody what to do and then following um, with the herd mentality. I don't find that works very well, and I don't find when you do that, I, it makes me question your your understanding. And my biggest issue is that, you know, reverts are generally not included. I've had people say to me, you know, we Muslims do this or do that. I, I understand that because I am now a Muslim. It's a choice I made. So once that choice has been made, you must understand I accepted Islam and that is who I am now. I may do things a little differently from you, but that's okay. But Having said that, if somebody comes to me, I want them to come to me um, because they've seen something I've, I've done and they've seen that I'm, I'm doing it well 
and they're inspired by it and they want my help, not just because they're a revert and they want to to have somebody else to relate to. It's um I think I think that at every point at in, in any religion, at every part of the year, there's every somebody that, that just hits a low in their life. Um, and that needs a pick-me-up, and you should always go to someone that you feel inspired by. Um, it's also, I feel like we need to move away from the in-my-time mentality, because it's no longer in-my-time. It is now a very different world we live in. But the most important thing that we need to remember when teaching new Muslims <clears throat> um, is that there's basics of our religion, and there's teachings of our creators and some things don't change and other things could change because you understand it differently and that's okay. It's okay to have a difference of opinion. It's not okay to be disrespectful. And it's always right to implement the teachings of our creator in our daily lives and where we are now. It's, um, it's obviously not an easy task and it, it, it always feels new but it's, it's very doable. And lastly, we asked the Sinatasha that as a wife and mum, uh, what were some of her biggest challenges during Ramadan and how did she overcome them? Let's find out. For new Muslims, I would suggest that if you need help and if you're stuck somewhere after doing your own research or you're feeling a bit low or you're looking for more knowledge, speak to your Appa or Mulana from your local masjid or ask around and, and ask them to put you in touch with someone who's knowledgeable to help you overcome anything that you need to or to give you the knowledge. Don't feel afraid to ask because that by you asking your Appa, you're giving her the reward of sharing with you and you're the reward of seeking out knowledge. So ask for it when you need help. And, you know, as cliche as it sounds, when you do fast, just remember to, to keep a healthy, balanced diet so it makes the rest of the days easier. It doesn't take its toll on you within a week. Today we have an amazing guest that is a revert to Islam and she has shared some of her advice to all the reverts who may need that advice as we get closer to the blessed month of Ramadan is an act of worship and that includes just greeting someone with a smile, greeting them first, greeting them back properly, uh, you know, sharing, giving out cool drinks on a hot day and hot drinks on a cool day, whether it's to the security guard at your office park or someone on the side of the road that you see needs help. These are all acts of worship and teachings of Allah to be kind to those around us. So remember that and remember that, you know, your goal is to do your best. Um, and also, you know, those conversations you need to have with your creator, whether you do it in your masala or whether you're doing it sitting in your car waiting for your kids to come out of school. Those conversations are so important, but ask for the strength and the ability to keep your goal. I mean, the goal is to keep most or all of our fasts ask for the strength to reach that goal and uh, you'll be very pleasantly surprised with how much of ease comes from just that alone. 
And with that, we come to the close of another edition of Revival in Motion. Our thanks, Jazakillah Khairan, to Sister Natasha Sultan. May Allah reward you. Thank you for taking out the time to share with us more on this. Plenty of practical tips, advice for all of us that we can all benefit from. And we make dua that it is a blessed Ramadan for you and your family and barakah with your new edition coming soon, inshallah. That brings us to the close, listeners, and we thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the program. May Allah reward you. May this way heavy in your scale of good deeds. And until we meet again next week, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.